Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Welcome one and all to Storybox, the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning, growth, and you want to improve your life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I am truly grateful that you have decided to listen in today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Did you know that everything is spiritual and has a spiritual element around it? Welcome everyone back to the Storybox podcast. I'm thrilled that you have decided to tune in today. My name is Jay Phantom and we are nearing Christmas time. So I thought, you know, in the spirit of Christmas, I'd bring on somebody that is spiritual himself. And we don't actually talk about Christmas in this interview, by the way, but still we have that spiritual element to it like Christmas does. Um, his name is Rob Bell. Now, if you don't know who Rob Bell is, he's the author of now 11 books, um, including the New York Times bestsellers, What We Talk About When We Talk About God, The Zim Zum of Love, Love Wins, and What Is the Bible. But also seek out your own truth as well, which is what I, I encourage you guys to do. I bring these amazing people on uh, that share their story, share their advice as well, but I always encourage you guys to search out truth for yourself and what that really looks like. Um, Rob also has a podcast called The Robcast, which was named by iTunes Best of 2015, which is a pretty incredible achievement if you are in the podcasting world. He's been profiled in the New Yorker, toured with Oprah, believe it or not. <laughs> it's incredible. And in 2011, Time Magazine named him one of the one of the 100 most influential people in the world. He has a regular show at Largo, the legendary comedy and music club in Los Angeles where he lives with his wife, Kristen, and their three kids. Rob has a latest book out at the moment, which you can order right now called Everything is Spiritual. Um, and in this conversation, we don't necessarily talk about that book in particular, but we dive into really the world, uh, the spiritual world. And I ask him a lot of fascinating questions. So I know you guys are going to get quite a bit of information from Rob. I love this conversation. I'm definitely going to have Rob on again in the not too distant future. So keep an eye out for that. But if you do get something from this, please share it around to all your friends and your family. Let them know about this one. If you have any questions as well, please don't be afraid to send them in as well. You can also email uh, the storybox podcast at gmail.com or speaking uh, at the storyboxpodcast.com, uh, which 
send all your questions in if you ever have any or if you just you know want to engage or talk by all means please do that and you can also let rob know what you thought of this by tagging him in any of your instagram stories i know he he appreciates that as well uh also leave a rating review on on apple Podcasts if you feel obligated to do so and you feel challenged um, by what you learned today and you felt help um, by what rob said so that also goes a long way in building this incredible community um, of the story box and i'm so grateful for each and every one of you so with that being said my friends you know what time it is it's time to dive into the story box and hear about everything spiritual and rob bell's story <laughs> it's great to be here all right Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know that it's, your time is very valuable uh, and I want to be respectful of that. So, Rob, before we dive into, I guess, all, all of the, the juice of why you do what you do, I love asking people this one question, which is, what does success look like to you? Waking up in the morning with a sense of wonder and awe about your own existence mm. and the fact that you get to do this day. Mm -hmm. And for so many people, achievement, money, whatever, fame, moving the needle, whatever language people use, but actually what everybody wants is the wonder and awe. Mm -hmm. That's actually the childlike, which is different than childish a childlike sense that this is a gift, this whole experience we're having. As heartbreaking and painful and quarantining as it is, mm -hmm. that this is a gift. Uh, and even the new book, Everything is Spiritual, is all about all the awkward moments, the pains, the aches, the wondering what the what's all the disorientation. <laughs> the angst it's all part of it mm. it's all part of it and when you can move from resisting it and fighting it to simply embracing every square inch of your story spirit is in all of it inviting you to new creation mm. that's that's when it gets really interesting oh, i love it where did this idea of success come from for you, Rob? Was it a, a gradual thing over over time in your life or was there a catalyst moment somewhere? What a great question. You know, my dad, he had all these sayings that like some of them were really weird and funny and some of them were actually really profound. But he used to say the greatest gift you can give yourself is to love your work. Mm. And he 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 loved getting up in the morning and going to work but he was all that was a big and he was very much like a duty work like an old school look how hard i worked so there mm. was that but there was also love mm. um and he was a judge and had this very noble sense of being like a public servant mm. Like he wore wingtip shoes and a suit every morning, like the, the uniform. Do you know what I mean? He was like, like yeah. he, he, he saw himself taking part in this ancient tradition of serving the greater good. Like I never heard him use the word profit or revenue. Like that was, which is fine, but like that was, that wasn't even on his, it, it was like, my job is to administer justice on behalf of the people. So 
So I grew up in this environment where you find something you love that is like an act of giving. Um, and, and I was always, I always had this sense that there's more going on here. The idea that we're just a random collection of cells and synapses, we just have, um, that, that sort of reductionism, that materialist reductionist that, that it sounds very scientific and smart, which is fine, but it misses the heart and soul. And, uh, I, from a young age had this sense that the things that are most valuable and important in life, you can't hold in your hand. You can't access them with your five senses. Um, so eventually that's how I, I, I went to seminary. I became a pastor. I, it was because I found the mysteries mm. utterly compelling. Mm. And you've been trying to figure out the answers to those <laughs> mysteries ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually what happened, I was in a band. The band broke up. I went to seminary. Then I got a job in a church like you do in, in American culture. And then um, my wife and I started a church and it exploded like thousands mm. and thousands and thousands of people. So the real answer to your question about success is by age 30, I was the founding pastor of a church of 10,000 people. Whoa. I had to give the sermon three times on Sunday because it, uh, the room seated three and a half thousand people. And so I had to repeat it three times as a different crowd came in and a and different crowd went out. And uh, it was everything that everybody hopes would happen. You would like reach the top and I'm doing air quotes there, mm. but it was like, it was working. It wasn't a pace of life that was doable. And because it was like church or like what people would call religion, it was like, well, it's all great. No, it was like exhausting. Mm. So actually that was the real success crisis was I didn't know how to say no or how to have boundaries. I just know, say yes, say yes. Just make sure everybody around you is happy. Mm. Um, so that became, that was the real success crash was there's got to be some way to organize this thing other than just run as fast as you can until you collapse. Mm. How, yeah, so how, they had to like rebuild the whole thing from scratch, essentially. Wow. How long were you the pastor of that church for? Oh, goodness. 12 years. 12 years. Oh, yeah. And it was you unbelievable. Were... It was an unbelievable chapter of life. The things I saw. It was. What would you say is your biggest takeaway from that 12 year period? You could sum it all up. <laughs> How long are we going to talk for? Um, <laughs> as long as you have. I. So, so, so when you. When you're like the. When you're like a leader of a spiritual community and it's that many people, then think about births, deaths, cancer, car accidents, HIV AIDS, job loss. Um, think about the human experience and then multiply it by thousands. And then you're, you never stop interacting with people who are sharing with you um, like the deepest joys and struggles of life. Mm. So you're like immersed in humanity in like a, uh, like an exponential way. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. Like you go to the grocery yeah. store and someone stops you to tell you about their kid's drug addiction mm. or what happened. And what I noticed is we have these usual binaries, good, bad, win, lose, success, failure. 
but walking with people because I would see them, but then I'd see them six months later, nine months later, two years later. And so I would visit somebody in the hospital when their dad was dying of cancer or their kid tried to kill himself. But then I would see them six months later and a year later and two years later. And oftentimes the thing that was the hell on earth, the, the thing that you were like, how is this person ever going to survive this? I would see them down the road and they walked with a limp. Mm -hmm. They'd had their heart broken, but, but oftentimes people would say, remember when I got fired from the job and I came to you and I was a wreck. Now, 18 months later, I realize I shouldn't have been working there in the first place. It was awful, but it was also weirdly a gift to get fired because I had to actually ask better questions. Mm. So I just kept noticing, like when we talk about the word spiritual, there was something active in all the messes of life. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, for most people, it's like if you're anxious, the goal is to eliminate the anxiety. But you could also see it in an entirely different way. I should listen to this anxiety because it's my life telling me some truth. Mm. There's this is the spiritual path, learning to listen to everything in your life because it's all mm. it's all talking to you. It's all teaching you. It's all guiding you. Um, mm. And that's the takeaway was this experience we're all having here. There's there's something moving in all of it. Mm bringing about a new creation and and you can listen to that and pay attention to it and that's when things get really really mysterious oh 100 we'll, we'll dive into that thought process in a moment that, that i'm fascinated by uh but what i want to ask you rob is when you were like leading the church and you know you had all these people that you got to look after and you got all these emotional things that are coming your way how did you actually manage that like in your own spirit your own mental yeah, health right right i had to learn how to have boundaries mm. like uh all that success was actually incredibly humbling because people would be like how i mean aren't, aren't you getting a big head <laughs> no because every place that i turn to there's pain or there's something broken or no, it's the opposite of that. It's a humbling, overwhelming sense of the fullness of life. So, so um, I started going to therapy because I was like, Oh, this, the heat, the heat of this role. Um, it's almost like a magnet. It drags any little pieces of metal in there. It drags them up. Mm. So, um, in my new book, I talk about going to a therapist, which is all new to me and learning that you can like go on an inner journey. Like you can, you can reflect on your anger and you can go into it, your insecurity, your fears, your childhood. You can like explore this. <laughs> you can actually find out that it's not as random as it feels. Yep. <laughs> it was unbelievably illuminating. I mean, I was like, what, my early thirties. I was like, no way. You can like notice something about yourself that you don't like. You can go to like a trained professional. It was like so it was like rocket science and you can get help. Mm. I would say that to people. Now it's like, well, of course. But that's that's how I dealt with it is I was like the only way I'll survive this is to become 
really grounded and centered mm. in who I am and what I can do, what I can't do. I had to come to terms with my limits. Um, that was very painful. Like, oh, apparently I can't do it all. Mm. <laughs> Which once again, sounds so obvious, but the time was like, hey, I can't do it all. <laughs> yeah. So why did you decide to move on to other things and, and lead the church? It became like, it was like a deep knowing. Mm. It's, it's, it's when soul, spirit, it's when that intuition within you knows this was a great chapter and now it's done and you have to keep exploring. Mm. And for, for many people, especially in the modern age, you only ever leave because something went wrong. You got fired, you broke up. You, um, like you think about our ancestors in more agricultural settings, they were used to the seasons. Mm. Summer's over. Nothing's wrong with summer. It's just now it's fall. Um, but in the modern world, so many times it's like, no, you just, you're there forever. Mm. Um, or so, in some settings, if you keep going, it's seen as disloyal mm. or like you're a quitter. No, no, no. That chapter was great. I'm leaving because it was great. Mm. And now, and, and I noticed that my work at the core of my work was what does it mean to be human? Mm. So I was in a church, but I wasn't trying to do something religious. I was trying to help people understand what it means to be human. How do you worry less? How yeah. do you forgive everybody who's wronged you? How do you discover your path? Those are all human questions. Mm. So I noticed that well, like when I would go on tour, when I'd come to Australia, when I would, when I would come, when I would do my work in places that weren't labeled religious or spiritual, it had like this, extra bang or mm. electricity. So I was like, Oh, I got to keep going. I got to see where else we can take this. Mm. So it became like curiosity. I wonder what else. I wonder where else. I wonder what other yeah. forms this, this work could take. Mm. Yeah. That's, so that's I just kept going. That's awesome. And you mentioned there for a moment that you started teaching people about spiritual stuff rather than religion. Here's what I'm curious about, uh, the definition of religion and knowing because, you know, there's, I'm curious what your opinion is about religion versus something that is just spiritual. Yeah, right. Well, what's interesting about the word religion, R-E-L-I-G-I-O-N, is religion, the root word there is the L-I-G, which is the Latin word ligare, which means to bind mm. or to bond, to like tie together. So a ligament, a ligament um, holds muscle and bone together. So mm. to religion is to help bind things together that had come apart. So uh, if you think about your own life, and the pain, the weirdness, the disorientation, the struggle of life can often make you feel like you're pulled apart. Like, what am I doing here? Where am I going? What's the, so the idea behind religion, it was, it would help hold you together. Mm. Uh, so when we say, oh, so-and-so, they do that religiously. What we mean is they do it regularly because something about doing that, it almost like helps their life make sense. Mm. So we're not against that. 
we're not against people having practices and rituals and things they do that help give their life some coherence and meaning. We're against religion when it actually doesn't do that, when it splits things apart. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? When it it actually does more dividing than bringing together. Um, But I, but I, uh, when people, and I think that's why a lot of people say they're spiritual, but not religious Mm. is I think for many people in the modern world, I'm sure you've seen this. The sense was that religion was actually, their experience was actually dividing things. It wasn't helping. Mm. Was bringing shame, judgment, a whole bunch of rules that didn't make any sense. A religion that didn't know what to do with science. Religion that seemed to be on the side of violence, not nonviolence. It seemed to be mm. dividing us rather than bringing us together. Um, and... And then you have this word spiritual, which is this sense, this conviction that there's something going on here, mm. that life isn't random, that that there is, that, that there's a love that we all are participating in, that, mm. that, that maybe this whole thing is actually going somewhere, that we can be a part of it, that every moment matters, that the conversation you and I are having as endless depth. Um, that's, uh, I think that's what we all sort of intuitively know. So I've, I've spent my work in some ways is naming that feeling that you have mm. and showing you how you're not alone. There's an ancient wisdom tradition. There's lots of ways of talking about this. Um, and, uh, your sense, like you said, you're a spirit you, God. Yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah. It's not crazy. It's, uh, yeah, there's lots of us. Because <laughs> I, I always say that instead of being in quite a religion, I'm in a relationship with God and yeah. he's my heavenly father. I believe in him. I believe that he guides my life and he has a perfect plan and purpose for my life. And that's the spiritual essence of it. Like, because I... Yes believe in his love and what he's done for me and how he died on the yeah. cross for me. That's what I believe is a spiritual aspect of it. But I feel like oftentimes I grew up in, in a Christian church that was bound by rules, regulations, and I didn't know any different for a very long time. And then when I broke away from it, those rules and regulations, they sort of became very apparent. And yes. I was like, yes. oh, hang on a minute. I didn't realize that before. Now I realize it now. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called growing up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is you you went through the process of what am I going to keep and what am I going to leave behind? Mm. Um, and that is that is a a very empowered thing you did that for a lot of people is like a revolutionary idea. Well, mm. keep keep what was true and what worked and what helped. And then you can, you don't, and you don't, I mean, you don't have to be that angry. You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to walk or like, that's what it was. And then you kept going. Mm. Yeah. Cause when I, when I left, I took all the principles and everything that God taught in the Bible. I still believed in them. And it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that you have to, you must go to church. It doesn't say anywhere. What and are we doing right now? We're having church right now. <laughs> exactly. We're having we're having fellowship. And it just says dwell among the brethren. 
like brethren, okay, those that believe the same thing, great, that's church. <laughs> like you, you don't have to put this building in front of people and say, okay, on Sunday you must go here and you must worship God. Then it becomes mundane. Then it becomes like a massive habit, a habitual habit that people do for the sake of doing it. And every single Sunday they go there and you don't see the joy on anyone's faces anymore because they're not actually joyful to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's interesting you say that because in the New Testament, one of the, what are the questions again and again is where does the divine, where does God dwell or live? And the answer is always among people. So mm. it's almost like a giant leap forward in human thinking is these writers are saying, no, no, you're learning to find the divine present in every interaction, mm. in, in every conversation, in every event. Uh, I love the story of Moses. Mm -hmm. He takes off his sandals when he sees the burning bush, not because suddenly the ground has become holy, mm. but the ground has been holy the whole time. He's just now becoming aware of it. Yeah, that's good. So it's a it's a transformation of your consciousness where instead of God is over there, but not here, you're growing in your eyesight. You're learning to see the divine present in every encounter, in every engagement. This person annoys you. This person is incredibly irritating. Okay. What do they have to teach me? There's some reason why they set me off. There's mm -hmm. some reason why this person has a supernatural ability to get under my skin. Mm. So I'm all ears. I'm all eyes. Show me. Teach me. Mm. Show me how this person who I would normally want to distance and get away from is somehow here to show me something. Mm. Um, and then this transforms everything. Mm. I think you said it perfectly there. <laughs> um, I, I also got sick and tired of the judgment. You know, like I I said to myself, that's not God's love. That's not how we yeah. meant to be accepting, how we meant to win people if all we're going to do is judge. Yeah. And this mindset yeah, yeah. Of, of judgment. And I always get, you know, people are just going to judge wherever you go. But it's heavy. It's more heavy in churches, unfortunately, which is really, really sad. Right. When you think about like this, this ancient human question, how does a person's heart mm. actually get transformed? And you, then you look back on your life. Was I actually ever genuinely transformed by somebody making lists of what I'm not? Mm. Maybe for a second, somebody could scare me or guilt trip me. Maybe I'd change for a moment, but nothing lasting. And then you think the moments that actually transform things is when I was reminded of who I truly am. It's almost like the good news is a remembering mm -hmm. of your deepest self. So if you, if you are way off base, if you are making a mess of things, somebody came along, they probably just said to you, Hey, um, you're better than that, mm. which is a which is a reminder of your true self, not a judgment that you should be somebody else. Because mm. you can only ever be you. Like there's no other. There's there's the only option for you is to be 
the best J. Yep, exactly. So the only good news, somebody, the only good news there actually is, is a deep remembering of who J is. Mm. So powerful. So you can see why, right. So you can see why judgment fails because it implies what you pick up is there's something wrong at the core of J instead of a reminder that that, uh, at the core of J, J is good. So, Hey J, you're invited to be the true J. (laughs) The gospel of J. The gospel of J. (laughs) That has a good ring to it actually. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Um, Rob, I'm curious, you wrote a book uh, called what is the Bible? Now, for those people that, you know, have, I'm pretty sure that every single person listening to this has actually heard of the Bible, you know. So, but there's always this like interpretation. Okay. What is it? Is it a book of poems, uh, literature, educational stuff? Because when you actually read the Bible, it's like, what? <laughs> like for someone first reading it. But for those people that aren't aware of what the Bible really is and what it, What's, what it's used for, are you able to shed some light on that? Sure. Uh, let's start with, let's start uh, at the beginning. In the beginning, in God created. The Bible is, <laughs> there you go, way in the beginning. The Bible is poems, letters, and stories, and they're written by real people in real places at a real time. And this is incredibly important because these people were experiencing they were experiencing God and talking about their experiences in the language, stories, parables of the world they lived in. So like Jesus was a first century Jewish rabbi. So Jewish rabbis had a particular, they each had a, a way that they taught that was called their yoke. So when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that's actually first century rabbi language. He's saying, I haven't come to weigh you down with more rules. I've come to help you enter into the flow of life with a certain grace and ease. Or like in the middle of the Hebrew scriptures are some prayers called the Psalms. Um, half of those Psalms are laments, mm. which means they're expressions of grief over the absence of God, over the pain and sorrow and turmoil of life. So these these writings are brutally honest about doubts. It has plenty of room for doubt, questions. Um, Quite a few passages are people angry with life. So I always begin with, this is raw, authentic living. Um, And so these people they told these stories because these stories helped them make sense of the world. Um, so like the book of Genesis was edited together when uh, these Jewish people found themselves in exile in Babylon and the Babylonian people had their own creation story, their own Genesis story. And their creation story said that the world came about through violence And so when these people edited together the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis begins with a poem, which is about how creation comes out of love. Mm. So these stories are very political. Um, These stories are about economics. It's not squishy stories about 
some place you might go when you die. It's about what do you do when your neighbor has better weaponry and they're coming to kill you? The David and Goliath story is about new technology. The Philistines have new weaponry. So when you read these stories, as opposed to being irrelevant, if you read these stories and you don't immediately think of all of the most pressing issues of 2020, you're not reading these stories. The Hebrew prophets, almost their number one grievance was when there's a widening gap between rich and poor, everybody suffers. Mm. I mean, take any political debate right now and like the book of Leviticus, one of its central themes is human beings have to live on the earth sustainably. Mm. You have to take good care of the earth or your whole society is going to fall apart. So your question, what is it? I would say it is ancient wisdom about all of the stuff that we're talking about right now. That's and good. that's the power of it is when you think, what are we going to do? There's a pandemic. There's fires in Los Angeles. There's upheaval with police brutality. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not alone. People have been through this stuff before. Mm. Uh, there's great wisdom to be found oh, that can absolutely. guide us and help us and calm us down. Absolutely. Rob, I feel Here's like... the Bible in three minutes or less. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Summed up perfectly. I could, I could talk to you about all this stuff for ages, but I do want to be mindful of your time. Um, a couple more questions for you, Rob. What do yes. you What do you believe makes a genuinely good story? That partway through, you realize I have no idea where this is headed. So. There's something about a good story that you find yourself lost in it. Mm. And then at the same time, a great story, you strangely also counterintuitively see yourself in it. It has a mirror dimension to it mm. where you're like, that's a weird story about da 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 da. It has nothing to do with me and my life. And yet, strangely, I can see myself in there. I'm that character. I'm that character. I can relate to that character. Mm. I love a good story. So do I. <laughs> we all do, don't we? So do I. was going to say, I, I said that like I'm not like every single other human being. <laughs> and this this is the story box. So really, I, I love unboxing people's stories mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. sharing that with the world because there's so much value and wisdom to be had by a story. And Let me, can, I tell you, can I tell you an ancient story that I love? Please. It's like a minute story. There's a master spiritual teacher named Akiva, lived 2,000 years ago. One night, Akiva is going home to his small village in the Galilee region, and he misses, gets late at night, it's dark, he misses the turn to his village. And instead of going off to the right, he ends up going to the left, and he runs into this massive gate because there's a Roman military fortress in his region. And he comes up to the gate, and he hears a noise up on top of the gate and it's some soldiers doing night shift. And the one of them yells down, who are you? And what are you doing here? And Akiva says, excuse me? And the guard yells down, who are you? And what are you doing here? And Akiva says, how much are they paying you? 
The guard's like, what? Akiva says, how much are they paying you? And the guard yells down, 10 denarii a week. And Akiva says, I'll pay you twice that much to come to my house every morning and ask me those two questions. <laughs> you like that? I like it. <laughs> Who are you? And what are you doing here? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. See what I mean? Oh, man. <laughs> I know. I, I'm, still, I know. I'm still processing that story. That is so good. Yeah. Because wow. probably through the story, you are completely in. You have no idea where the story is going. It has a weird structure. It, it's, I'm repeating different parts. Why? And then suddenly it's over. And you know something just happened, but you don't quite know what happened. So what? you have to sit. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to allow it to like sink in a little bit. I know it's yeah. it's going to like click. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you for sharing that, man. <laughs> Rob, what, what would you say has been the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Try harder. Why is that? Why is that bad? Because it might work half the time. Mm. Sometimes it's the answer. Sometimes you've tried hard enough and you have to surrender and look for larger power and flow. Mm -hmm. You've tried that so much and it's still exactly what it is. Maybe that's an answer. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the people I've met who tried and tried and tried in some line of work and they're like, how come I'm not successful? How come that's not going well? And then you just start to ask questions and realize they're doing that because somebody somewhere told them that's what a successful person or that's what their family said they were supposed to do. And suddenly they're like, honestly, I just, um, I actually think I, I'd rather go do this over here. And then they go do that over there and it just comes naturally and they're, if there's an ease to it. Mm. So um, the best advice, sometimes try harder, but that also can be, the worst mm. advice. Mm. I like it. I do. What would you say? Oh, okay. I'll ask this later, but this is my legacy question. So I love asking this at the end. You've been able to reach this, being able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it all. We'll just call it magic or they've been able to get it <laughs> and they've shown it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Uh, that the wonder was still there. Cynicism is always lurking on the edges. You know, step back from life, stand at a distance, build some stone or barbed wire around your heart. Just join everybody in rolling your eyes. Mm. Um, but we did that. We, we've done that enough. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I, I, I grew in wonder and awe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Such such a powerful uh, legacy to leave behind. This is more of a fun question before I ask the last serious one. 
What would you What would you say is the weirdest food combination you've ever had? <laughs> oh my goodness, that I've ever had. That you've ever had. I love tacos. Ta- oh. Tacos. The world revolves around tacos. So if like I'm on tour and I'm in a city. Like just one of the best taco places. And last year on tour, I was in Texas in Houston and they have Velvet Taco, which is fantastic. And I went to Velvet Taco and they had a Indian curry taco. What? That was so wrong. It was right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. That thing was, that, that thing was so off. It was on. <laughs> Did it make you off later on? I mean, it was it was late at night, and I was like, "When am I gonna? What is the? It's like you know when you order just because you don't understand. <laughs> like I what I want one of those, <laughs> whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is gold. Of- <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm, my abs are hurting. <laughs> Uh, I almost don't want to ask a serious question now. (laughs) Um, All right, composure. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. This one may be a hard one to answer, but we'll see how we go. If you could ask a question to anyone, alive or dead, who would it be, why, and what question would you ask them? Uh. Yeah. Um, in my new book, I talk about how my dad's dad died when he was 34 of cancer. Mm. And my dad's brother died when my dad was in high school and his brother was in high school. He was killed in a freak accident. So I grew up, my dad lost half his family tragically. Mm. So I grew up, it was almost like there were people missing. You know what I mean? Mm. And I often, my grandfather's name was Preston. My would be my uncle's name is Douglas. It's like they were they were gone so soon. Yeah. I never met them. If I could meet them and just so talk like what was it like? Mm. Who are you? As I I um in in my new book I talk about how they're they were the the presence in absence mm. growing up. Like they weren't there, but they were there because they weren't there in a way. Mm. So I often, uh, strange how we have, I'm sure you have in your own history, people who were there, but not there. Yep. Um, so even just the question, who, who, who are you? What was it like? Mm. Um, what did you experience? Um, yeah, they're, they're like, they're, they're great mysteries. It's like affectionate mysteries for me. Probably, apparently, my 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 dad's brother was. I guess he would have died when he was fourteen or fifteen, but apparently he was very funny. I just have just a couple of details that just make it all the more interesting. Really, he was really funny. Like, God, it's just like the tantalizing bit of information. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that man. It's very similar to me, and then my my family's history. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad's mm-hmm. dad died before I was even born. 
And my great-grandfather, who was apparently, he lived till his 90s, I believe, so he was quite strong. And he, he would have kept going, but he slipped and slipped in the shower and, and um, had, had an aneurysm uh, on, on his brain, which is quite sad. But he probably still would have been alive um, when I was born or something like that. Uh, you know, so it, it really does make an impact, like wanting, yes. wanting to know. Yeah. And I think for me as well, I want to actually have one more conversation with my grandfather, like my mom's, yeah. my mom's dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that would just be powerful. And some people talk about how a child is a blank slate, mm. but no, we're born into these stories that are already in motion. Mm-hmm. Like your podcast is about stories. It's like we, when we're born, it's like we stumble onto the stage and the play. We're in like the second or third act. This thing already a bunch of characters have already done a bunch of stuff and some of them are here and some of them are gone already. And, but it's like already in motion and it's like, you're realizing, Oh wait, this thing doesn't start with a blank slate. It doesn't start at step one. It, it started way back there. Mm. And it's almost like, are you going to make the most of your story? Right. 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 Or not. So, and this story that, that as it's unfolded until you got here, has shaped you in innumerable ways. Exactly. And you'll spend the rest of your life learning what those ways are. Yeah. 100%. I feel like that's a good way to sort of end that conversation. Rob Bell, thank you so much for your time, your generosity, your wisdom. I feel like I could go on and ask you more questions. We've only really touched the surface, but definitely going to have to do this again sometime soon. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? my um teachings my long form we just made a new film called introduction to joy the new book uh that comes out next week is called everything is spiritual all that is at robbell.com yep i just loved meeting you great questions same here i've got so many more questions for you rob (laughs) well so little time we'll we'll have unboxing to do someday oh yes i can't wait But I'll make sure everything is in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Rob Bell, for coming on the Storybox Podcast. Loved it. Peace and love, my man. I don't like this part because it means that sadly, we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.